Hey there, welcome to Board Game Hot Takes, the podcast where we give our immediate reactions to the hottest board games just minutes after playing them. My name's Tim. And I'm Chris. This is Adam. And I'm Jen. We're going to depart from our normal format this episode. Instead of a hot take review, we're going to discuss our board game highs and lows of 2020. Each of us are going to name our top 2020 board game releases, but we're also going to call out some games that were just new to us in 2020. Before we get started, we wanted to remind you that you can join in on our conversations on Twitter at BG underscore hot takes or on Facebook at board game hot takes. Follow us for the latest conversations about the games we're playing. Also share your gameplay experience or let us know if our podcast inspired you to try something new. And if you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple podcast or wherever you listen in in order to help more people find the show. Let's get started. 2020 is over, and this uh, this is going to be our wrap-up episode here. So 2020 was an interesting year, especially in the board gaming world. It was for me, but what what about you guys? Um, you know, what, what uh, how did this impact the way that you think of board games and, uh, you know, this world with the pandemic and stuff like that? Like, how did that impact your, your feelings about board games and your experience with board games this year? Uh, Adam, why don't you lead us off here? Yeah, so I think 2020 is a year I started to be more proactive about getting board games played. So it started off, I joined a couple of meetup groups and I was going out in person. And that's where I ended up meeting you, Tim, at one of these meetup groups. You know, we hit it off. We started to have, we started playing board games in person. And that's where I met Chris. And we had that, I don't know, that month or two that was glorious where we'd meet up in person, play some board games, have a couple of beers. I think that was this year, unless I'm misremembering, but I believe that was 2020. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. It seems like we've been doing it for a long time now. Just being proactive about getting board games played and then having a chance to meet you guys. And now here we are doing a little podcast talking about our shenanigans. It's been great. Yeah, it was interesting, Adam. It feels like it has been a long time, maybe because this year just everything was different, you know, it was unique. But uh, seriously, like about a month, maybe six weeks before things shut down and we stopped seeing each other in person, I met Adam at a, at a meetup and we kind of hit it off right away. We had a good conversation. I was like, Hey, you want to join my regular weekly game night with some friends? And so he showed up for one or two of those. Uh, Chris joined in and pretty quickly things got shut down and we just decided right away, like, Hey, let's find a way to game, even though we can't get together in person. So we started getting on tabletop simulator and tabletopia and kind of turned into a weekly thing. It was an interesting year. It was unfortunate, right? I mean, I feel like, you know, we haven't really gotten to experience this hobby the way that we want to, to get the physical components and play. Not, you know, we do sometimes on the fringes, right? Like I do with my family. Jen is my local pod here. So, you know, I get to play with her as well sometimes. But otherwise, since basically March or April, uh, I haven't really played board games with anybody in a physical realm. So it's all been online. It's been different. It, in some ways, it's been really cool because in a way, like we started up our, it would have been me, Chris and Adam and a couple of our other local friends in Long Beach when this happened, we just decided to get online and I invited my brother from Portland, who's Steve. You may have heard him on some of our other podcasts. We talk about him all the time. But the four of us kind of started doing a regular game night. So for the first time in years, me and my brother have gotten to game together regularly. So in that way, the online gaming, the, the pandemic kind of assisted that a little bit. Uh, what about you, Chris? How are, how are you feeling about this year as far as board games uh, the the open festering wound that is 2020. Um, no, honestly, I think that 2020 and the uh, and the pandemic, I hate to say it, actually ended up being okay for games. I mean, I, everything you guys said is true, and there's a million reasons why everything about 2020 was an absolute crap show, and it's, it's a tremendous tragedy for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. But in terms of games, what you were talking about, Tim and Adam, 
I mean, the fact that when this all started, the three of us lived in Long Beach, California, and now we're all spread to the winds. I mean, you know, Tim's in, in Phoenix now. I'm homeless now. But yet we still, we've got the games that have kept us together and have given us a place to go every week, you know, where we've got friends. And, uh, and that's something that, I mean, obviously we could have done this anyway, but I feel like COVID was kind of the thing that spurred us to go do that and kind of all the, the stuff about 2020. And also for me, it was very nice because my COVID pod family back in Long Beach before we left, I got some new folks involved in gaming. And so that was fun that we got to do a little bit of that as well. The same way I think, you know, Tim, you did with uh, with Jen. So it's it got us a chance to get some new people into gaming and that, you know, spreading the spreading the, the love is fun. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Jen? Uh, how is uh, how has 2020 impacted you? I, I I suppose most of your gaming was done with me before 2020. So it probably hasn't changed too much. But t- tell us about how you're feeling about this year, this last year. Yeah, gaming with Tim is kind of like Groundhog Day. You know, he sits there and stares at you in person until you actually plead, agree to play games with him. But I don't know. I love being a part of this podcast. I think it's really fun. I love being a part of, of the game night. I also like being the alternate. I've said this before because I get to save the day, right, when someone can't show up um, by playing whenever you need or want me. But I never, ever ruin the party by uh, um, canceling. So, uh, <laughs> and I rumor has <laughs> that I get VIP accommodations if we ever get to play um, at Tim, Timcom. So I'm getting like the master suite and my own bathroom. And then, you know, all the games will be going on, but I get the VIP accommodation. So I'm excited about that. But again, so the real talent here, the alternate, the person that always gets to show up and make everybody happy. I don't know. I love it. I love that 2020 brought some of us closer in another way. I, at the end of the summer, things were craptastic. It was kind of like, where is this pandemic going? And it was like a dark place. And Getting involved online was a lot of fun. I love playing with Adam. I love playing with Tim online, even though he now lives 15 minutes down the road. I love listening to the podcast, even when I'm not a part of it. I do not listen to every single podcast. That would be lying. I don't know. Gaming for me has really brought a nice distraction. It's allowed me to socialize from afar. I mean, we have a ton of fun. When we game, Danielle and Tim and I, now that they've moved out here, we can we can do a whole day of it, or we can just do an hour of it. And it, it really... It makes us all happy. It connects us. And as long as we keep our phones down, we really connect and have a great time. Well, first of all, I want to say that the the rumors about TimCon and luxury accommodations for Jen were completely unfounded. And I don't know who started that rumor. So don't uh, don't get your hopes up there. Uh, secondly, I think our game days feel like Groundhog Day because you and Danielle always pick the same games over and over and over again. <laughs> So we could probably fix that as well. You know, one of the things that I think came out of this, this experience of gaming online every week is probably this podcast. Adam had the idea and threw it out to me and we happen to be gaming online. So it's pretty easy to just say like, hey, let's just add it into our weekly game night after we after we play online, let's just record that podcast. Maybe we would have done it in person, but I definitely think I was more motivated to find something to do with my time when I, it kind of like gave me that free time to do something else. And I'm really glad about that. I I feel like, for the first time in a long time, the podcast has given me something creative, a creative outlet that I really am having a great time with. And I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying and doing it with you guys. I've learned a lot about myself from it. So let's get into that. How, how has the podcast been for you guys as an experience? Is it something that you're having fun with? And what do you think it's adding to your life and to your experience that makes, makes it a little bit, a little bit brighter because of dealing with all the issues in the world today? 
Well, I think that it's just, it's fun. It's an hour of fun. I haven't recorded a podcast yet where we haven't laughed throughout it, where we haven't had an inside joke or a new joke or learned something new about someone, where someone isn't the brunt of the joke and takes it well or takes it not so well. I think we're a smart, funny, entertaining group of people. And I just feel so gosh darn excited that I get to spend this time with you every once in a while. I worked in entertainment for a while back in Los Angeles. And so for me, it brings a little bit of that piece of my heart that I don't, I don't do for a living anymore back. I like that. It's a lot of fun. And I like that it's changing and expanding. And I like that my friend Tim really likes it. And I like that my new friend Adam really likes it. And I like that it makes you happy. And I like that, that, that Chris, your cats get to hang out with me every once in a while. And so for people that haven't been following the podcast, they're just going to have to go back and re-listen in order to figure out what that means. It's been really fun. That's what it comes down to for me. I just like being in any environment where people say things like, gosh, darn. I mean, that's just, you know, who doesn't, who doesn't love that little slice of middle America right there? I also love the fact that my nine-year-old loves the fact that his dad's on a podcast. How cool is that? Does he listen? Has he listened and been like, Dad, what are you talking about? You sound like a moron. Or is he like, you sound amazing? <laughs> no, no, actually, that, that's that's the, the funny part. It's like we'll be driving from, you know, one state to another, you know, for these like eight or nine hour days in the car. And uh, it, he'll he'll have the choice to do homework and he'll go, can we just listen to Dad's podcast instead? Like, you can't say no to that, right? You know, like, so it's at least a good alternative to homework, I guess. Yes, son, we can listen to that. No, right. Almost anything is better than homework. <laughs> so I didn't know that both Chris and I have nine-year-olds, but I also have a nine-year-old. I cannot get my nine-year-old to listen to the podcast because, you know, mom and Mr. Tim, he gets enough of us. That's all there is to it, right? <laughs> but he will play, as we've said, parks with us and pull it on out. So I guess, you know, give and take, right? My, the only time I've gotten my family to listen to the podcast is when we're doing long trips. So when we moved to Phoenix, we we drove from Long Beach to Phoenix. And so we had a long trip and, and I made them listen to a couple episodes on the way. And uh, I got my daughter to listen. I was like, Gabrielle, why didn't you listen to Dan's podcast one time? And we we got through about half the episode. And she's like, Dad, that's really cool. But can I listen to my music now again? So <laughs> she put her headphones back on and stopped in the middle of it. So she didn't find it that she did. She is like, Dad, you're famous when she hears me talking on the radio. But, yeah, you know, like that's to her. That's the best part about it, but she doesn't actually care about the content. So if the numbers you've been showing me, Tim, are correct, we're about 44 people famous. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough for me. Yeah, that's that's more famous than I ever thought I'd be. That's 44 more people that want to hear what I want to say on a normal. Time. <laughs> that's right. For me, the podcast is I love it. First of all, I, I like having this regular group that meets up about once a week and we get to hang out and BS. And just having a sense of that normalcy amidst a relatively chaotic year of 2020. So that's one thing I really enjoy. And just, yeah, just the chatter, the socialization, the BS, the little, the club we have. And then for me, it was a, like you touched on it, Tim, the creative side of it too. I get to practice my public speaking. I try to pay attention to my ums and uhs and buts and you knows and all that. And it's hard. I feel like maybe I've gotten slightly better. Maybe I've just gotten worse. But at least I'm aware of it now. And I've gotten to the editing side too. So that's fun to break out the software and get a little creative slicing stuff up, learn something new and, you know, try and get better at it. So that's what it's, uh, that's been the best parts for me of the podcast. 
Nice. Uh, that's awesome. And uh, so I want to, you know, call out, like, first of all, I've had a great time recording with all of you. You're all, it's always fun to do it. Steve joined into, in with us a little bit recently too. So having the five of you guys just hanging out and chat with me. When Adam and I kind of brainstormed the idea of this podcast, one of my goals was just the opportunity to sit and talk about games. And, and so this is kind of enforced that. So every week we just have some time set aside to sit and talk about games and I have a feeling if we weren't recording the podcast and I told you guys, stick around after game night, let's chat for an hour. And you'd be like, uh, no, I'm tired. I'm going to go do something else. So I kind of I kind of forced you guys into chatting with me and, I, and, and it works and I'm having a great time with it. But I've also learned a lot about myself in this. I mean, I've learned, listen, I, we're going to do it. We're going to, for, for the listeners here, we're going to give you something fun. You stay till the end of that post podcast music. And we're going to give you the little edit sequence from tonight's podcast. Adam's going to cut everything out and you're going to hear how many things that, how much hard work Adam does every week editing our podcast by cutting out all the stupid stuff we say. So we're going to leave that in at the end of this podcast. So you guys can kind of hear what he's doing, but it's awesome, man. Adam is, uh, Adam's doing all this hard work, but everybody's contributing and we're having a great time doing it. So I really appreciate it. I've learned a lot about myself listening to all the stuff that Adam's had to cut out from me. I can't believe how much, how poor of a public speaker I am. I, I thought I was better, but hearing myself stutter through the show and, and, you know, um, through everything, it's it's been pretty uh, eye-opening. And I also am working at it, believe it or not, Adam, as much as you do have to continue to edit me, I am actually trying, learning from it and, and hopefully getting a little bit better. So that's that's been a really cool part of the experience as well. I was just going to add in, I like learning about what I like in games too. I think this regular group has given me the opportunity to figure out what in a board game I enjoy. Uh, so that's been neat. And I get to kind of learn the same things for Jen and Tim and Chris and Steve. So I think that's been a whole neat part of this sitting around discussing a game after we play, kind of get a sense for what each other's into. Yeah, I totally agree, Adam. And in fact, one of my favorite things is to try to find games that Chris will hate and pick them for game night. And that's been a blast. It's easy. I think I got that mastered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dude. No, all, all, all that, that gnarly joking aside, I mean, it actually has gotten me to think more deeply about games because, you know, it's one thing to sit down and, and play a new game each week, especially the, the crappy ones that Tim picks all the time, <laughs> then to actually get a chance to sit down and talk about it. It really makes you think more about it. It makes you think about the mechanisms and the, you know, all the production values and what makes a good game. And I, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. So on that note, let's, uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious to hear, you know, we've done now, this is going to be our 22nd episode. Can you believe it? 20, 22 weekly episodes we've released of this podcast so far. And 19 of them have been our hot take reviews, which is kind of our standard format where we basically right after playing a game, we jump in, we talk about it. So I'm curious what, you know, for you guys, which has been your favorite episode? Adam, why don't you start? What's your favorite episode of Board Game Hot Takes so far? I'm going to cheat a little bit and I'm going to do one that's like a high and then one that's kind of a seeing Chris get angry at a game because those are both fun to me. So the high one for me was Eclipse. I think we had, I had a great time playing that. I think this is the one where Tim, you won on that last battle. I was, I was one or two points short and it was a very pivotal last like die roll of the game, I think. And you came out ahead and then we just went right into the podcast after that. And I had the little adrenaline going and talking about it. I was so like happy and dopamined up and, just the game makes me happy, just the components. And so I'm thinking about it again, getting all riled up. So that was kind of the high. And I think one of my lows, I could go Origin of Species or Vindication. I think Chris was just down on both of those, like hating them. Yeah, super thumbs down from Chris. <laughs> and I love it when Chris criticizes the game. He's like so eloquent, but 
so just blatant about it too. And it's just great hearing him talk about <laughs> how much he despises a game. Totally. Um, and those were both like, uh, so I kind of did my homework for this when, when I thought about asking this question. I went back and I re-listened to all of our review episodes in the last couple of weeks. And uh, those were a couple that, that actually stood out to me as well. I really enjoyed the Eclipse conversation. And and I, I wanted to pick some of Chris's uh, angry. Um, we'd add uh, Capital Lux to that list as well, right, as his number three um, most, most, hated, most hated game. But, yeah, those were really fun episodes. What about you, Chris? Um, what, what was your favorite episode, your favorite review episode to record so far or to listen to? Man, all those games you just mentioned, I don't even want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> I know, I, you know, it's, I was going back and, and I didn't do quite as much homework as you did, Tim, but I did a little bit. And I would have to say that the, the, I'll, I'll throw out two favorites. Uh, one was Blood Rage, one was Cthulhu Wars. And a couple of reasons for that. Part of it is, for me, is sort of nostalgic because we started doing this podcast right around the time that I left California with my family and been traveling across country ever since. And so for every one of these episodes, it's not only a game to me, but it's like, where was I in America when that was uh, when that was being done? And so that was very, very early on in the trip. I think it was Northern California. So there's some nice memories there. But the thing that I, I loved about those is that like one of the running themes I think that we keep saying over and over and over again is a game that brings out a lot of player interaction is a good game. It's a fun game and it's a, it's a great thing to get a bunch of people together and, you know, have a slug fest and, and, and that's always a good time. And I think that carries over into the, the, on the, um, podcast review as well. If you're energized by the game, you're going to get energized for the podcast. And those two games both really did that. And I thought it came through not only in playing the games, but in, in the podcast we did afterwards. Now, having said that, we just played Blood Rage tonight and I got my butt handed to me. So I don't feel very enthusiastic about the game. <laughs> but, you know, back back, back earlier on, uh, I thought that was, it brought a lot of good energy to the, the podcast. I like that way of looking at it, Chris, with, with kind of your geolocation of where you were for each podcast. Where are you coming at from us tonight? Virginia. Virginia. We're just getting ready to uh, make our last stop in the East and then we're heading back West again. That's cool. Yeah. Blood Rage was a favorite one for mine because I still remember doing the intro to that. And Chris goes Blood Rage when he does his introduction and just had me giggling through the whole intro part of it. So I totally like that's a bad radio. I probably should have re-edited it, but it was, it was a pretty fun experience. All right, Jen, what about you? What was your favorite podcast episode? Hot take review. This one is so easy for me because it was just a great time. I enjoyed recording Herbaceous and Rajas of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers. And Adam's giving me the thumbs up. It was just pure fun to play the games and then to record the podcast. I just felt like we were all on fire in like a really connected way that night. In playing it, I mean, to recap, we played Herbaceous and we all were chasing the biscuit and there was no biscuit to be had. So much player interaction. I think Steve was on with us at that night and then he introduced the next game, Rajas of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers. And that one just knocked all of our socks off with those like delicious combos. And it was just a quick learn. It was something that we all wanted to play again really fast. To your points, the energy carried over we wanted to talk about it and then it would just be to everyone's disadvantage if I didn't mention the fact that I think we had 22 herb puns in that podcast <laughs> and so it really just showed how much we were meant to be together that night. 
Oh my goodness. Still not stopping with the pun. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that was that was an awesome one. That was a lot of fun. So, you know, like I said, I went back and listened to all of our episodes and five of us have been on, but we've never done a, a review episode without at least three of us on the show. That means that there are people excluded. So I didn't want to just pick one and exclude two of the other um, voices on the show. So I picked one episode that kind of highlighted each of the four other hosts that are with us. So I've got three episodes but everybody's voices are going to be included here. But I did want to say it was kind of interesting to go back and listen. Now, we've had some highs and lows throughout as far as the episodes go. And mostly I just link that back to self-criticism. There are some episodes where we're high energy, it's fun, and some where looking back at my own performance on it, it wasn't as good of, a, of an experience. But I do feel overall that we're getting better and we're improving and it's becoming better. We're, we're identifying what works better and what, what doesn't. So that's been really fun. And it's, it's kind of cool to watch that progression from when we first started recording to now. But the three episodes I wanted to call out, number one, and these are going to be in chronological order. So the first one was the Dinosaur World episode. Uh, that was Jen's first appearance on the show. I went back and listened to it. It was a great conversation, had a great time with you guys recording it. But why that one stood out to me, I think, was that that was probably the first game that we did a, a review on that I just really didn't know anything about before we went into it. You know, the whole point of this show is that we're doing hot take reviews. We're, we're recording right after we playing. What, but typically, I'm the one that's in there, like, learning the rules for a game and teaching it and watching reviews. And so I generally before we play a game, I generally know a decent amount about it. I know what other reviewers have said about it. And Dinosaur World was kind of interesting because it's still it was still on Kickstarter at the time and there weren't any reviews out. There were some previews. I just learned the rules directly out of the prototype rule book and we played it online. And going back and listening to that conversation was really fun to just hear us just explore something for the first time and give our you know real raw feelings about it. And I thought it turned out really well. So that was my that was my first episode. Second one was pretty recent, but that was the Viticulture episode. That was with Adam and Steve. And uh, two reasons I really like that episode. One is that Adam always has some interesting stuff to say. But I think Adam was kind of impressed with that game in a way that he wasn't expected to. And and so when I went back and listened to that episode, it was fun to just see Adam get so enthusiastic about a game that I don't think he was expecting to like that much. And um, just listening to, to just how excited he got about it was was fun to me. It was just like, Adam's usually pretty chill. He's pretty much like, yeah, this is how I feel. It's good. And it, it was cool to hear him just like really enthusiastic about a game that night. So that was a that was a really fun one for me to go back and listen to. And then the last one I'm going to call out is actually our most recent episode. It just got released today. This is Monday that we're recording, January 11th. That was the Dwellings of Elder Vale episode. It was just a fun conversation. It actually turned into our longest episode, but I think tonight's will be a little bit longer. We ended up just a little bit over an hour because we had a lot to say about it. But there's two reasons I wanted to call that one out as a favorite episode. One is that Steve is our grumpy gamer. Like he's the guy that is always ready like he's pissed off all the time. Every time we're playing games, he's angry about what someone just did to him. He's angry about some stupid mechanism. He's angry about his bad luck. And we have a great time joshing him about it all the time. And he's uh, he's actually usually angry about having to record podcasts with us too, but he's a good sport about it. If we don't have a third person, he jumps in and he records with us. But I felt on this episode, his anger showed through. Like <laughs> he was blunt. He was happy to just like share his feelings about everything that went wrong. It was fun to listen to. The other reason I like that though, is that this was a, a game that I was really excited about. And, you know, I started, we started this podcast because we're fans of gaming and just enjoy the hobby. 
And generally, if I am excited about something, I'll find the best parts about it. And I usually won't get critical about it. That was a little bit of a breakthrough for me because I found what I felt really didn't work for the game. And I talked about it. I think that's important. If we're sitting here talking about games, I think it's important for us to kind of share our real feelings about it. And so that was kind of a breakthrough for me to just be willing to let go and say, even though I was really excited about this thing, I can still see that it's not perfect and there's some flaws in it. So those were my three um, tops out of out of the 19 episodes we got so far. That's a good point about the dwellings of Elderell one, Tim. I want to say as being a strictly listener, non-participant in that one, it was cool to hear you guys, your ups and your downs about the game. And it felt critical and it felt like I got a very good sense of what I might think about the game if I was there to play it. And with that, we're going to move into the next section of the show. And that is what we have planned for the future of the podcast. I wanted to mention a few more things about the podcast. These are some things that are upcoming. One thing that you may notice if you are a regular listener to the show is that we are starting to switch up so that every episode isn't a review episode. We're going to start doing a special episode every fourth episode. So this would be one of them. You may have heard our more more recent games that we're waiting to play. And we've got some other great ideas. So we're, we're excited to just kind of explore some new content on the podcast. You won't just be listening to our our hot take reviews. We'll also be offering some other content. Another thing that's going to be coming up is we are going to be starting to produce some video content for the the show. It's a little hard to do since a lot of us are distributed all over the country, but we have some ideas on how we may be doing some solo content on the channel or just a couple of us getting together and doing content or even potentially doing some content that is recording our play session. So some of that stuff's going to be coming up. One other thing that I think is pretty exciting, I hope you guys are, are looking forward to, is that we are going to be giving away a a full pledge of Frosthaven plus most of the upgrades for it. So if you followed the Frosthaven campaign last year, it was the hottest Kickstarter of the year. We're going to be given a full game of, of Frosthaven as well as the upgraded metal coins, the solo content, uh, replaceable stickers for this thing. I think it's around a 200 plus dollar pledge. I pledged it. I decided I don't want to continue with the game. So I want to give it away to one of our listeners. So the way we're going to do this, we're going to make it really easy. Basically, if you follow us on Facebook, you're going to be entered for this giveaway. If you follow us on Twitter, you're going to be entered for this giveaway. And if you comment on Apple Podcasts and give us a good review on Apple Podcasts and drop me an email note letting me know that you did it, you're going to get two entries for the giveaway. So uh, you can do this as much as you want to. Follow us on all those channels. Leave some good comments for us on Apple Podcasts. You're going to be entered to follow. And as we get a little bit closer to Frosthaven actually being delivered, we'll kind of publish this a little bit more. And if you share some of those, the social media stuff about it, you'll also get more entries for it. So good luck. Right now, we don't have that many people following us. So it might be a really good odds to uh, to get it. But uh, also, if you retweet uh, any of those posts, share them, you'll also get entered. So lots of opportunities to get some entries. doesn't cost you anything. And uh, I just want to give away this, what's supposed to be an an epic game. Hope you guys are are lucky and and get to enjoy it. The one last thing I want to talk about related to the podcast is that we are hoping to do a couple things this year. One is that we're going to be trying to continue to improve our production quality on the show. Um, I'm going to be putting together a home studio to get a little bit better sound quality, a little bit better echo from my side, you know, less echo from my side and improve that. And we're working on some graphic design for some of our video posts, as well as tweets and putting a little bit more 
uh, effort into just making it a higher production and, and hopefully something that you guys all enjoy. And we're also hoping to get some other podcasters, other content creators to join us on the show to play games with us and to do some reviews. So I'll be inviting some other th- people out to join us and uh, hope you get to hear some other voices joining in with us this year. Let's talk a little bit about some of our highlights and our, our low points um, in specific games over 2020. So this is kind of going to be our greatest of 2020 list. Now, the first things we're going to have on this list, first of all, is that obviously we've been playing remotely. We're not getting to play as many games as we want to. So we're going to highlight a lot of games here that are just new to us and not necessarily 2020 releases. So the first part of the list is going to just be new to us games things we get to call out as things we want to highlight from our year in gaming. And then the last couple, I'll call them awards, that we're going to talk about on this list are going to be 2020 games. So these are going to be new games, things that people are are thinking about and excited about, and we'll talk about those a little bit. So let's start with the biggest surprise of the year. And this is biggest surprise to you. So a game that you played this year, Maybe you didn't have high expectations for it and you it beat those expectations. Maybe you thought you were going to hate it and you ended up really liking it. Uh, so let's talk about biggest surprise for you of 2020. Um, Jen, why don't you start with this one? That's an easy one for me. The biggest surprise for me was Rajas the Ganges Dice Charmers. I, I was so tired that night and I did not want to play the second game and Steve promised us it would take like five minutes to describe and 45 minutes to play. And I swear it was two and a half hours long, but it was so much fun. And I think we've only actually played it once or twice since then. And we should be playing it all the time. And I don't understand why we're not playing it all the time, but it felt good. And there was the combos and just watching everyone get excited about the build, you know, when kind of strategically building out your board and then how easy it was that it kind of related back to Yahtzee. I just didn't really understand the role and write concept until then, but it was just so creative and enjoyable. It surprised me. And again, I was gritting my teeth and contemplating getting, you know, quote, air quote, sick and calling it a day, like whatever it was to get out of in that game. But once we got rolling, it was awesome. So I really enjoyed it. It made my brain feel all the ways that I want my brain to feel when I'm playing a board game. Nice. That's awesome. Chris, what about you? What, what was your biggest surprise of this year? My biggest surprise was Pan Am. And it's and it wasn't one of those ones where, yeah, I thought it was going to be a crappy game, but it was a really good game. This is actually one I thought was going to be pretty good, but it wasn't one that I thought was going to be great. And, you know, I kind of figured, ah, you know, it's like a target release game and it's kind of, you know, it's not huge production values and whatnot. But then I got the physical copy and then we started playing it. We played a few games on uh, online and holy cow, I just absolutely fell in love with that game. It is dripping in theme and and the the vibe and the atmosphere of, you know, the uh, 1950s, 60s, 70s, the era of Pan Am. And not only that, it's just got solid game mechanics. And not only does it have solid game mechanics, but it has the kind of game mechanics that you can teach to somebody who's not a hardcore gamer in about 15 minutes, which is actually kind of shocking to me because I've had you know, some games that I've, I've taught to people. And it, you know, obviously, these, you know, these kind of strategy hobby games, you take a long time to get adjusted to. But Pan Am is surprisingly simple for a game that's surprisingly deep. And you add that together with this really deep 
kind of immersive feeling in the game. And I just thought it was, it absolutely blew me away. And then it, it, it doesn't hurt that we've got Adam, who's a, you know, an airline pilot, who's able to give you like this sort of the color commentary on it and, you know, talk about the, you know, the history of, uh, of the airlines and, you know, these, these interesting destinations that you got and you put it all together and it just, it absolutely blew me away, blew me away. Yeah. That was a great, that was a great surprise for me as well, Chris. That was a, that's a great pick. All right. What about you, Adam? Yeah, that's a great pick, Chris. Prospero Hall in general, I want to call them out. I feel like they've kind of emerged in 2020 as a, they make some nice board games that kind of have a mass market appeal and they're available in Target and like everywhere. So people can get these hands on these kind of next step up from like Monopoly or Scrabble type of board game and kind of get their brains working on the kind of the next deeper level of puzzle there, which is pretty cool, I think. So there was a few choices I was running through. I ended up going with a game called Trekking the World for my uh, biggest board game surprise of 2020. I thought it was just going to be kind of pretty art and um, not much else besides that. Maybe like parks again, or maybe like trekking the national parks, which I really can't speak of that since I haven't played it. But Trekking the World is a great game. It's beautiful. The has a, a nice insert that comes in it. it, has a beautiful map that you're playing on has all these destinations across the globe that you're trying to go to on these tarot size cards. And on the back of those, it gives you like a, a little paragraph describing the destination, a little bit of history about it and what you can expect if you were to go there. And then the gameplay is just fantastic too. It's kind of mean, it's quick and you're done with it in about you know 90 minutes if three people are playing less than that with two people. So trekking the world is my biggest board game surprise of 2020. I'm excited to, 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 I haven't listened to that one. I, we actually haven't done that one yet, have we? No. Nope. No. We keep talking about it. So I'm not excited to listen to one. I'm actually excited to play that one because I think that we've put it off probably at my request more than once. And so we have got to get that, that one together. We got to get ourselves together and actually make that one happen because I'm really excited about that because of how passionately Adam speaks about it. So yay. Yeah, it's it definitely in the short list. Yeah, we were going to play that beat tonight before the podcast started, and we couldn't quite get the online implementation uh, up and running fairly quickly. So we ended up jumping in blood, into Blood Rage, which we played before. But we, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited as well. Adam's been speaking about it so much. I have a feeling I'm going to get picked on if it's a mean game. Uh, you guys are going to gang up on me in it. So I don't know. I may not be a great great choice for me, but I'm, I'm looking forward to trying out. Tim going for the sympathy win already. <laughs> <laughs> so we got our first crossover here in that um, my surprise game of the year was Rajas of the Ganges, the Dice Charmers as well. Um, I probably played, uh, actually I have a list here. Let's see how many games that I play. I played uh, about 80 games this year. And the game that surprised me the most this year was this fairly simple roll and write game. Any roll and writes I've tried in the past have been huge disappointments, not very fun. Uh, I know there's been a big resurgence of roll and writes in the last couple of years. And so I, sh I definitely should try, you know, should have tried some more modern ones, but I was really not that interested. And uh, when Steve pulled this one up as kind of a second game at the end of a game night, I felt like Jen, I was like, eh, that's fine. It'll be short. So I guess we'll jump into it. The, he showed us this tablet of paper that you play on and it looks super overcomplicated and his rules explanation was terrible. Uh, it's not that hard to teach, but, but it was a pretty rough rules explanation. <laughs> but once we got into it, it was so much fun. There was these huge cows going on and I played it like half a dozen times since then. I played a couple times with Jen and my wife and my, my brother taught my Steve, who's our other podcaster, my brother, but he's taught my parents. So I played with my parents a couple times too on Yucatan 
And that game is just a blast. It's just like so fun to just pick the dice and try to make the best out of him and, and rush to that, the biggest gap ever. Huge surprise for me. I'm excited to get more plays of that. And it's inspired me to check out some more roll and rights, which I, which I can't wait to do. So looking forward to that. All right, so that's uh, that's a, a good part of 2020. So let's talk about something that's not so good. Let's talk about our biggest disappointments in 2020. John, circle back around to you. What was your biggest disappointment in the last year of gaming? I'm going to have to start breathing for this one because I'm going to get a little emotional about it. <laughs> so if anyone has listened to this podcast and listened to me talk ever, or if anyone's ever met me and I've talked about board games, I have one diehard love when it comes to gaming and that is castles of burgundy and so i bought myself for christmas the 20th anniversary edition of castles of burgundy and let me tell you it is a four-letter experience because (laughs) it is less than enjoyable and it makes my eyeballs hurt and the colors might possibly be worse than they were before so for me i mean i think it's definitely the biggest disappointment because I bought this, I invest, it wasn't, a ch- I mean, it wasn't a really expensive one. I know that there are people in the hobby that go all out for it. It wasn't a cheap um, purchase. And I've always enjoyed playing Castles of Burgundy, whether it's on Yukata or whether it's the other edition that we normally play. It doesn't, the older edition didn't have any of the expansions, but it did have the trade routes, which I really enjoyed. But this new one, I mean, it's hard. It's, it's hard to read them. I'm not really... The monastery, the technology tiles turned into monastery tiles. The livestock tiles turned into animal tiles, or maybe it's the reverse. I'm pretty sure they got rid of the chickens. Like, where are the chickens? Because I can't walk by a farm, yeah, a farm in the middle of Paradise Valley slash Scottsdale, Arizona, and not take a picture and say, hey, there's a three-pointer, right? Like, they're taking all of the fun away from me in, in this game. And, yes, the colors, they did end up with 17 colors of green still, so... And the buildings, ah, you can't read any of them. Like you have to literally sit there with like your hand on the description and a magnifying glass on the other. So I think that Tim and I are, maybe all of us are going to do some sort of side-by-side comparison at some point in time, but that's the teaser. Castle Burgundy ticked me off. There you go. T-I-C-K. There's the four letter word that I was talking about. So. Wow. So Jen convinced me I never want to play this game. You want to play the original version. Yeah, it's frustrating. I, I, I had a hard, I almost put this on my biggest disappointment, um, even though I wasn't the one that bought the game. But we played it the last two times and it actually makes the game less fun. It actually makes it harder to play and it's less fun to play because you, you literally can't see what's going on. It takes a lot of referencing the rule book and looking really closely at the tiles. And hey, listen, we're up in our forties here, right? We can't be like staring from across the table at these tiny little icons on the board. Come on, this is the 20th anniversary edition. It should have been improved. It's worse. Mostly. There, there are some things that are improvements, but they're they're they don't anywhere come near outweighing the the bad in that situation. So hundred percent agree with that disappointment, John. Yeah, where's the large print edition? <laughs> High contrast large print. <laughs> I love Castles of Burgundy. I love how it makes my brain feel. I love the interaction that I get almost every single time with almost every single person I play with it. Play well, yeah, sure, whatever. Words, words, words. I'm sad. Like, I am not kidding. If I ever get a free moment in my day, I'm going to find the customer service phone number and be like, I have got to talk to you people. Like, I am really ticked off. So, and I'm not like a complainer. I'll sit there and just, you know, oh, that's a bummer. I'm sure they're having a bad day or, oh, too bad for them. Oh, I'll take it. 
No. If you screw around with Castles of Burgundy, <laughs> you're going to hear some mildly irritated words from me. All right. And uh, scene. <laughs> so, so stay away from the 20th anniversary edition of Castle of Burgundy. Stick with the original and you'll be fine. Yes. And feel free... If anyone wants to purchase me the older version, I'm looking for donations. Thanks and have a great day. <laughs> All right, Adam, what, what about you? What was your biggest disappointment of 2020? So I had a few disappointments this year. A couple of them are Kickstarters I've kind of mentioned. I was looking forward to Valhau Llamas. How could you go wrong with a funny pun name like that? But these, <laughs> but these guys found a way. Um, the game is super cute. The card art's pretty cute. But the gameplay is pretty bad, and the rulebook's not very clear. I even tried writing the the publisher for a clarification, and there's just I heard nothing back. Valhall Llamas is my disappointment. Fortunately, only like I don't know 500 people out there own it, so uh, not too many disappointed people from that game anyway. Yeah, um, I mean Valhall Llamas, right? So yeah, how could you go wrong, or how could you go right with that pun? So maybe <laughs> maybe it really just met expectations to be honest, but no, that's uh, that's too bad. Uh, I'm glad that I'll never have to try it and feel your disappointment as well. All right, Chris, what about you? What was your biggest disappointment of 2020? Yeah, my biggest disappointment was sadly a very high profile disappointment. Uh, it was a Kickstarter I was really looking forward to, and it was Marvel United. I hate to say that because I had such high hopes for it. I mean, it's a you know, reputable publisher, great game designer, yeah, you know, it's funny. As an aside, I, I had to throw in here somewhere as as kind of like a, an honorable mention of some sort. Gotham City Chronicles, Batman Gotham City Chronicles, which is probably one of the most unwieldy beasts of a game that you could ever hope to play. But I love it. And one of the things I love about it is the depth that you have in terms of the the characters and the story. And if you're a fanboy like me, then you know you kind of understand like it, they, they throw everything at you from the comics. And then you had Marvel United, which was almost the complete opposite. And I, and I had Gotham City Chronicles un, potentially very unfairly in my mind when I was thinking about that game. I mean, no, it's a, it's a whole different category of game almost. But um, it was overly simplistic. And maybe I'm being unfair. I mean, it wasn't a bad game. It was just that it was, it was fairly generic it was not, it didn't have the depth of gameplay that a lot of the good games that we play have. It had some cool graphics. Uh, it looked nice, but you could have swapped in almost anything. They didn't do much with the characters. It was okay, but it's, it's not a game that I want to pick up a whole bunch of times to put on the table, which is really sad for me because I, because I had such high hopes for it. Yeah, I, it is too bad. And I guess um, the, the nice thing is that at least it beat out Batman Gotham City Chronicles from being the biggest disappointment of the year. Oh, that was just for me. Sorry. Oh, no. no that, <laughs> that's an honorable mention. That's a good thing. <laughs> I'm actually kidding. Um, Gotham City Chronicles actually has some things going for it. I, I really enjoyed our experience with that, but it was a mess at, at the same time, too. So at least you didn't get that out of Marvel United. It could have been worse. It could have taken you three and a half hours to even understand how to make an action happen, and then you got it wrong. So, you know, like... the. You know, there's an advantage to being a little on the lighter side as well. Uh, but that's a shame that, you know, it's funny. I remember when you first backed uh, Marvel United and you were like, I'm so excited about this game, but why did they have to make these silly looking cartoony chibi miniatures? So 
I guess you kind of, you know, they, they didn't hide what they were giving you in that package, which is uh, a more, you know, kind of kid friendly experience, family friendly, maybe. Yep. Should have, fo- should have followed my heart. <laughs> so I'll jump in with my, my biggest disappointment for this year is Maracaibo by Capstone Games and Alexander Fister. It's not all bad with Maracaibo. Let me just be upfront about that. I think there's some potential to really get some enjoyment out of this game. But I, um, I've been hearing great things about it for years. It was supposed to be kind of the follow-up to Great Western Trail, which is supposed to be Alexander Pfister's magnum opus. It was rising quickly as a hot game. People were talking about it like it was fantastic. Someone gave it to me for my birthday, opened up the box, and immediately was let down by the production of this game. I don't have a lot of experience with Capstone games. I've played a couple of their games online, Watergate and Crystal Palace, I think, are the two. But it's hard to kind of get a sense for real production experience. But people have been raving about Capstone as a publisher for years. And so I just, I guess I had high expectations here. And when I open this box, this game feels like it's 15 or 20 years old. The production of it, the quality of the components, the graphic design, the user experience, it's a disaster. You know, after then spending a while learning the rules, I played through about five or six solo games of it. And the experience is just overly complicated and clunky for what what could be a streamlined, fairly slick experience. So I'm just I'm just I guess I just got disappointed. I mean, again, I think there's some there's something to get out of that game. And I would love to play it with a group of three or four people. There's a really cool campaign mode in there where as you play through the games, it adds new changes to the board and and new uh, characters that you can recruit. And I would love to explore that a little bit. I just don't know if it's worth it. I haven't played it solo a few times. That was not a great experience. It just feels like it's way too much you know, to teach and, and, and figure out for what you're going to get out of it. And so I just, I'm having a hard time trying to convince you guys to actually like want to play it because I don't know that I want to that bad. So that was a big disappointment for me. I really, I, it, it got talked up so much, was really excited about it and a, a pretty big letdown in, in a number of ways. Which begs the question, if you don't even want to play it, why would you want to convince us to play it? I, I know because I, I think, I think in a multiplayer game and I think I, it's really important, I think to say that, you know, I haven't played it multiplayer. Obviously a solo experience is not necessarily the same. Um, but I, I think there's potentially a fun game there, um, a competitive game. Uh, so I don't know. I'd like to try it at some point. I'd like to give it a shot. And I think the game actually gets better further into the campaign, which means you got to find a group that you want to play like 10 or 15 games of it with before you really start to see the, you know, what the potential is in the game. And But I don't think it's worth it. You know, I don't think it's worth going that deep on it. So I don't know. This is a hard one for me because I really wanted to like it kind of a big letdown and I just don't know if I'll ever get to experience the full the full potential that the game could have provided. It's a rare euro that Tim kind of dismisses. So who's the club for America? <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. The next award is going to be favorite board game experience in 2020. So again, this is not necessarily related to a 2020 release, but an experience that you had in 2020 that was your favorite experience. So, John, let's circle back. Let's start you right up at the top again. What was your favorite board game experience in 2020? This was a hard one because, I mean, 2020 was defined by the board game and a pandemic. And that's about it. So I would say that, oh, my gosh, I'm still going back and forth between two. But I'm going to pick my favorite board game experience was actually Tim's birthday weekend. So Tim's request for his birthday weekend was that 
Danielle and I play board games with him all weekend. And we did. <laughs> so I know that everyone on the podcast was looking to a thorough review of it. And here you go. It was awesome. We actually got introduced to the Artemis Project, which I don't even know what year that was released in. Does anyone know that one off the top of their head? Yeah, it was like 2018, I think. Yeah, okay. Not, not too old. I love the Artemis Project. I love everything about it. So we played that. That was the new one, I think. Then we played Everdell, which I love and get angry at. And I think Danielle gets angry at. But we still love to play it for some odd reason. And then we played Castles of Burgundy. And I believe that was the infamous night where a tile got dropped in a wine glass. And now it is slightly discolored. And... But you can still read it better than the 20th anniversary edition in case you were curious. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, thanks. Yeah, that was an awesome experience. And it, and it was also like a preview to what TimCon is going to be when we can all get together in person and have an epic weekend of gaming. So We did, though. It was epic. And it was two whole days. It was like, all right, sleep off the gaming. Wake up. Go for a Starbucks run and start it all over again. And so luckily the weather was great. Between our two families, we have four little humans, and they really enjoyed each other's company, and it was awesome. Some of the pictures from that weekend are some of my favorites since that family has moved to town, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah, awesome. I couldn't have asked for a much better birthday, so thanks for being a part of it, Jen, and I'm glad you also enjoyed that experience. All right, uh, Adam, what about you? What was your favorite gaming experience of 2020? I have two. I'm going to cheat again. So one was, I think, the first time we played a game at Chris's house. He busted out Cthulhu Wars, so that was that was my introduction. I believe it was my introduction to Cthulhu Wars, and also Chris's amazing rum drinks that he creates. Yes, <laughs> got spanked at Cthulhu Wars and got slapped in the face by a couple uh, strong. I don't know if they were Manhattan's or old fashions, <laughs> or Chris would have to tell me what they were. But that was a fun night. I uh, really got to know you guys pretty good that night. I felt like that's when it crossed the threshold from just being board game buddies to like, man, these guys are cool. I can't wait to hang out with these guys all the time. And then, of course, we all moved to different parts of the country. Yeah, and then, of course, you got bail on me and, and I'm never seen it. That's what Tim Con's for. So we are going to get the once the once pandemic's over, it's safe to travel, it's safe to, safe to get together. We are planning to get together one or two times a year uh, for a long weekend. And um, Chris, we're definitely expecting you to bartend for us over the weekends. Definitely looking forward to that. I guess I said I had two. The other one was, uh, so everyone's happy about that. The second one was I'm part of this Discord channel, Dads on a Map, and they had a virtual DomeCon Dads on a Map convention. So I got to play 10, 12 games. That was like April or May, shortly after everybody was quarantined and right about the time everyone was just ready to get, ready to do something. So it was a perfect time to meet a bunch of new people and play a bunch of games, which is which was fantastic. And it hit just at the right time. That's awesome. That's that sounds uh, sounds like a lot of fun. And again, like that's my you know, that was the whole point of my birthday weekend, too. It's just like the idea of just getting together and just getting a game for a weekend and forgetting about everything else. And uh, I love the love the idea of it. I can't wait for a chance to do it. Chris, what about you? What was your favorite gaming experience of 2020? So, so mine is uh, another one that comes from a, a weekend of gaming with the Dolofs, uh <laughs> in uh, in Palm Springs, and it was a weekend that we were at your place, and we had just started the campaign for uh, Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated, and for those who haven't listened to the podcast before. You know, Tim. Tim's kind of like the the alpha game of alpha gamer of our group, as as far as I can tell. He 
usually kicks my butt pretty badly. And then we busted this game out. And it was like, I could do no wrong. I think it had like 13, 13 different you know, episodes, 13 games. I think I lost one of them. It was like, oh, look, I won again. Oh, man, look at that. Wait, <laughs> did I win again? Wait, hold on. It's won again. And I'm just like, what the hell's going on here? Have I become like a real hardcore gamer? And then we played something else and he killed me. So <laughs> at least for, uh, for Clank Legacy, Acquisitions Incorporated, I felt like a real champ for a short amount of time. <laughs> well, I'll jump, I'll jump right in there, Chris, because I also I have a crossover here, and that is that my favorite gaming experience of 2020 was Clank Legacy Acquisitions Incorporated. Um, <laughs> it was, and, and I got spanked at it. I got destroyed. I could not win a game there, and I didn't even care. It was such a blast. I love legacy games. If you like legacy games, if you like some story in your game, You've got to check this game out. It is so much fun. I would play it right now. I would get back into a campaign and replay it over again right now. Even having been through the story, it is just such an awesome experience. It's funny. It's exciting. There are so much change that happens and so many cool things that happen during this this you know 12 or 13 game campaign. We got it knocked out over a couple weekends. I think we did most of it that weekend in Palm Springs, but we did it over another you know weekend or two. Had an awesome time playing that game with you, Chris. It was always so much fun to break it out, see what story you know beats came up, see what cards came up in the game, and who we got to name and what we got to change in the board and make decisions on. Yeah, that was, that that game is a blast. Probably my favorite gaming of ex- experience of all time, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think I, I could not recommend that game more if you like fun. If you don't like fun, you might not like Clank Legacy. Acquisitions Incorporated. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the only that is the only game I've ever played that ha- was like laugh out loud funny. I mean, when you got some of those little, like little cutscenes and you know you got to read this stuff off the cards when you bust out a new box or something, it, it was literally I it was I, I was rolling on the floor. It was so funny. Great game. Yeah, yeah, totally, highly recommended. All right, sounds good. So, so this is kind of the big award for new to us game. So, before we get into our 2020 awards, best new to you game in 2020. So. Jen, what was your Castle of Burgundy doesn't count because you played it before 2020. So you got to pick something new this year. So what was your best new to me game in 2020? I wasn't going to say that. I still think about it sometimes. It was Parks. Like bar none, Parks knocked my socks off from the second I played it. It's gorgeous. It's complex enough to make your brain do some acrobatics, but it's it's easy enough to pick up pretty fast. It has a totally different feel when you play it with two players and three players and four players. I have to say it because I always do when it when it um, works is that my nine-year-old gets a kick out of it. Santa Claus brought that for him for Christmas time and he busted it out. I know that we've exchanged a couple text messages back and forth on our little thread between us and it really does. It feels really good to see his little brain working on it and enjoying it and getting the strategy and watching our strategy when he plays with the adults and then, you know, using it and then ignoring some of it, which is kind of just like parenting in general. He uses some of what I said and ignores the rest. So it comes back to the fact that it's fun. It's, you know, long enough to to feel like it's, you know, an adventure that's actually happening. And the, the it's just gorgeous. Like, it's just nice to look at. The pieces feel good in your hands, and I'm so glad. I think that was that would actually would have been my like my runner up to my board game experience because the Tim and Danielle and their daughter came out over a holiday weekend before they actually moved here, and Tim picked that up on the way out, and we played it a couple times that night. We played it 
half dozen times the next day. And it was a lot of fun. Everyone loved it. I love the pictures from that weekend because, you know, you can see the board on the table and it's fun. I loved it. Jen, I'm sure you haven't listened to our latest uh, podcast episode that released because, you know, you usually skip them. But we actually mentioned at the end of the last episode because Steve just picked it up or I think you just got it as a gift for Christmas. But that is the only game that all five of us own a physical copy of. Mm -hmm. So like all five of the podcast hosts own Parks and we all really enjoy it. So I wouldn't rank it as one of my favorite games, but I'm always happy to play it. It's it's always a good time. All right, cool. Adam, what about you? What was your best of t- best new to you game in 2020? This one I said was my best because it was kind of a surprise, like a big surprise to me. It's Viticulture. You touched on it, Tim. Going in this game, I was like, ah, oh, here we go. It's going to suck. And I played it and it was so rad. Like the thematic tie-ins were great. It made me feel like I owned a vineyard and I had to grow grapes. And that's probably could be further from the truth because it's just a board game. <laughs> but you have to think about that, you know, the fall season and the spring season and the, well, all, again, all the seasons, the way the, the game flows and it has that yearly kind of cycle to it. And the worker placement's cool. That bonus spot was cool. A surprise and a great game, Viticulture. That's awesome, man. I'm so happy that you enjoyed that game so much. I also got a huge, I played it before, but was reminded how much fun it was. And was, that was definitely a huge hit for me this year as well. Chris, what about you? What was your big uh, best new to you game in 2020? Well, well, this is a real great minds think alike moment because, well, for number one, the only reason I didn't put Parks as my answer is that I played it back when I first got it in 2019. So I didn't consider that, uh, you know, a game I didn't play until 2020. Uh, but my real answer, a game I did play for the first time in 2020 was Viticulture. And I was, in it, like like Adam, I was just a little bit surprised it was a game where um, I actually got a physical copy of it. I, I was literally uh, sitting on my iPad. I was I was drunk. It was late at night. I've been playing games, and I was not thinking straight. And it was like, I just want to buy a game. What should I? What What should I buy? And I'm like, well, you know, Stonemeyer's, you know, pretty <laughs> pretty reliable. This one doesn't look that that awesome, but I've got all the rest of them. So what should I do? And I bought Viticulture. And then I got the, I got it. And my wife, who doesn't even particularly like games, tried it out. And she's like, this is really good. And it just, it, it, like Adam said, it kind of puts you right in there. It just, it flows so smoothly and it makes you feel like you're, like you're living the life of a, of a, I don't even, what's the word? Viticulturist, I think. That person who makes wine, what do you, (laughs) a vintner? Is that, is that? A viticulturist. Viticulturist. <laughs> I don't know. Vineyardologist. I'm pretty sure is the correct term. Vineyardologist. Say that three times fast. No, great, great game, and it kind of took me by surprise. Wow, that's amazing. This is a 2013 game. I think it was re-released in 2015, and and two of us have it on our best games of uh, tw- new to us in 2020. And you guys didn't even play it together, so that's that's a pretty that's a pretty big surprise there. Tim, didn't you mention that you were going to purchase this one? Yes, I love Viticulture. Like I said, after playing it with uh, Chris and with Adam and Steve on the podcast, absolutely love it. And it was probably a runner up for me. I, it's not my best, uh, you know, my favorite 2020, but uh, I love it and I am planning to purchase it. In fact, I, I just found out that they're, they just announced they're going to release one more expansion for it. So I think probably later this year, I think. So when the last expansion comes out, I'll probably just go in and, and buy it all with the pre-order from, from Stonemaier Games nice. because I, 
I'm excited to play this game more and, and explore all all the different ex- expansions and all the stuff it's got to offer. So can't wait to play more with you guys too. Looking forward to it. All right. So my um, new best new to ga- me game in 2020 is a game that I've un- unfortunately also only played solo because I, I bought it for myself, probably one drunk night where I uh, just felt like buying a game and it was something I'd had my eye on for a while. But I picked up A Feast for Odin, which is an Uwe Rosenberg game. I think it was released in maybe 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. So it's not a new game, but it's not super old. It's a massive, huge Euro. Uh, It's a worker placement game with 63 worker placement spots. It's got uh, polyomino tile placement. It's got so much stuff you can do in this game, and it is glorious. The couple of solo plays I played, it's kind of neat because you don't play against an Automar or whatever. You basically... It's a, it's a multiplayer solitaire game, even if you're playing in, in person. Like, aside from blocking people on the worker placement spots, there's zero interaction. And so I think I've got a pretty good sense for what the game's like, um, even in the solo. And I love it. And I will play this game anytime. And I can't wait to play it more and more and more. A Feast for Odin is the biggest hit for me that was new to me in 2020 and is right at the top of my list of, of greatest games of all time at this point. It, it's, it's a masterpiece. It's beautiful. All right, so let's get into some actual 2020 releases. So we're going to talk about best games of 2020. So the first thing, actually, before we get to the best game of 2020, the big award, we're going to talk about best components of 2020. As you know, if you listen to our podcast, we talk a lot about production. We all love upgraded components. We love, you know, nice production on stuff. So let's uh, highlight a couple of these things that were big hits for us in 2020. So Jen, let's start with you. In uh, a game that was released in 2020, what's the what's the best component that you got to experience this year? Without a doubt, it's Kevin. And Kevin is the Death Reaper mini from Dwellings of Eldervale. <laughs> and I it was I, I realized I didn't come and sit in on the Dwellings of Eldervale podcast. Yeah. Podcast. That's because you were tired. But I, have, I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> But I, um, I did get to play it in person a couple times, and Tim's version of it has these upgraded mini monster people. I'm just going to say how I say it. I'm not going to worry about the proper terminology. And these mini monster thingies come, and they chase you around the board. And so basically, anytime you move towards them, if you hit in the adjacent spot or hex, they're going to chase you. Well, there's a one called Kevin. Well, his name is not Kevin. My friend Danielle, uh, Tim's wife, Danielle named him Kevin, and that was just adorable. And so he became Kevin because, I mean, he was this, I mean, we'll have to post a picture online this week. And uh, he is a horrific looking monster and uh, he's like sharp and spindly. And yeah, anyway, so Kevin chased us around the board, but Danielle somehow became Kevin. And then, you know, Danielle as Kevin chased us around the board. And then we totally read the directions wrong. And as it turns out, you can only take Kevin around the board until he battles and loses. But like, Danielle was battling with him and like she was losing or winning and then taking him right back and battling again. And so, I mean, Kevin had quite the run during that game. And then Tim's pieces, I don't know if this is, again, I think it's upgraded. They make noise. So anytime you like would, would touch Kevin or nudge Kevin or touch the table incorrectly, Kevin would make noise. And then it was like, Oh man, you pissed off Kevin. Right. And so it, there was, I mean, he's great. I mean, they're so detailed and, and they're beautiful and, and so much fun to play with. But it's also just the fact that, you know, my children come up to the table and they touch it. And then Tim, you can tell that like 
the, the hair on the back of his neck is freaking out because like a four-year-old has seven in his hands. And he wants to be like the cool guy that's like, yeah, it's cool, buddy. You can totally play with Kevin. And in his mind, that's they so can good. see him saying like, dude, if you break Kevin, I will end you. So I don't know. Kevin has definitely my best component, my favorite component of the That's perfect, Jen. I could see Tim being like, in the back, in his head, in his brain, you know, his like true inner voice is like, "Get your hands off my board game piece, you little four year old piece of." <laughs> but externally, he's like, "Oh, I hope you're having a good time." Jim, you see your son is enjoying my board game. <laughs> I got your Death Reaper right here, boy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much all accurate. Um, exactly. Yeah, you can listen to our episode la- of, uh, from last week about Dwellings of Eldervale and the production in it. So Jen's talking about one of the huge, uh, you know, plastic minis that are pre-washed in the game. They're awesome components. And we had a super fun time that night uh, with the -the over-the-top sound bases, I guess. You know, you had to call that out. The fact that they (laughs) they growl at you every time they move around the board. It's ridiculous. That's awesome. All right, Adam, what was your number one component of uh, from a 2020 game? Again, I'm going to cheat. It's a component. (laughs) Cheating all night long. I'm cheating. I'm a big chime cheater, except not in board games. Right, guys? You guys haven't caught that yet. <laughs> it's Eclipse Second Dawn for the Galaxy. The The whole production, the production as a whole, has a player mat that's incredible. It has these beautiful tiles, beautiful box, beautiful inserts, beautiful components. The The ships are just, I have the pre-wash on them, so they have the contrast, which is great. They have little ship stands that come with them. So there's dimension. You got your big ships that are up high. Your little kind of miniature ships are down lower. And it, it's such it's so visually pleasing to get this game out there and put on the table. The cubes and the discs are translucent. And you can see, you know, the numbers underneath. It just adds to functionality of the game. And it's just such a pleasure to look at and to play. So that is my best board game component. Eclipse Second Dawn, Second Dawn of the Galaxy, the entire thing. <laughs> All right, so a whole bunch of components there. Well, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna kind of go out of order right here because I got another crossover, and that is that my number one component in a board game were the pre-washed minis in Eclipse Second Dawn for the Galaxy. I played with a lot of nice minis this year, but when we put put those out on the table, it's just like they work so perfectly. They're all they all have their own colors and their own sculpts for each of the different factions, and having the pre-wash on them, they look like just battered airships just like it's something out of Battlestar Galactic or out of Star Wars it, they're just awesome they're just so, they make such a cool table presence and uh yeah I absolutely love them as well so I'm 100% on board with that choice as a an awesome 2020 board game component all right Chris what about you what was your big board game component of 2020 yeah you know I imagine I probably would have given the same answer you guys just did if I've ever actually seen that game but I've only played the <laughs> online version I've seen the pictures of it and I'm sure and man, that looks amazing. I would love to see it. I want to play it someday, but I haven't seen it yet. So I couldn't, I couldn't claim that. Uh, I feel like I'm cheating on my, you know, myself a little bit here because I feel like I brought this up in every single top 10, five, whatever list that we've ever done. But I'm going to say that my number one component was the, uh, the play field for Fossilus, which is absolutely amazing i mean it's it's one of these things where you know you were so used to the board games where you take out you know a big a cardboard board and you lay it down or you know unfortunately with many of the games that we love so much there are little player mats and things and and there's nothing there's anything wrong with that but there's something about this good fat you know old-fashioned old school little square you know 
And the thing, this brings me to mind, does anybody remember Don't Break the Ice? Mm. Yes. Yep. And not that it has anything to do with that game. It, it just has, yeah, it has that feel to it. It has the feel like if I was a kid, I would just love to pick this thing up and play with it. It's three-dimensional and it's three-dimensional in a meaningful way. So you're actually playing um, both vertically and horizontally uh, in this game. And it it works so well with the theme of the game that the tiles that you're moving around are um, are sand or clay or stone and it actually has an impact on the game but also the fact that this play field has also been designed in this very ingenious way where you have to randomize it by inserting a bunch of pieces into basically the bottom of the play field covering it up and then shaking it up so you don't know where everything goes and then you place these uh, these different sort of substrate tiles all over the map and um, and then play off of that. But it's just, I, I love the fact that it's 3D. I love the fact that it's solid. I love the fact that it, it makes me feel like I'm playing a game that I would have loved playing when I was a kid. And and to me, that is just super cool. Have you played it yet, Chris? It's it's a really good game, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've played it a, a couple times now. Uh, a simpler version is I was playing it with my son and you know, he has less patience for uh, complicated rule sets than I do. But even at the simple the simple version of it, it was a, it was a quick teach and a lot of fun. And I, I'm looking forward to actually playing it with the full rule set someday. It's great, man. You nailed it. It's I have this game too. And it's the pieces are fantastic. You got the little tweezers. You're going in there digging for bones. Yanking them out, putting them on your dino. It's it's so fun. And the, you didn't even mention the artwork on the dinosaur cards is stunning too. So. Oh, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The whole game is beautiful. So Adam, you've actually had a chance to play it now. Do you? Is this a game that you would pull to, like, would you bring this to TimCon? Would you pull it together with the group of us getting together on a weekend as like a fun experience? Or do you think it's too light for that? Um, no, I would definitely bring it to TimCon. It's something that needs to be experienced. Like, it might be pretty light. It's maybe up there with uh, something like Parks, I would say. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so there's um, you're sliding your tiles left and right. You, you, know, you have to position your worker in a spot, and you can gain these abilities. So you get a little bit of an engine going, too. And then there's a little bit of um, set collection and yanking the right dino from the dino market when you have the appropriate bones to do so. Yeah, definitely have some depth. Yeah, a lot of depth. All right, cool. We'll, we'll give that a give that a try one of these days. Okay, well, let's get into the the big final award for 2020. This is the the last of our um, of our awards tonight. So, what is the best board game of 2020? And again, I'll be upfront. Right, we haven't played every game of 2020. I personally have only played 15 2020 releases. So, there's a lot of games that we just haven't had the opportunity to even take a stab at here. Uh, but these are for us the games that out of the ones we played what we thought was the best experience and something that you may want to check out. Um, so Jen, let's get started with you. Did you have anything that got you excited in 2020? You know, I don't have one that rises to the top. I had a couple great plays and I think that, you know, we had some runner ups, but I don't know if, if I had a great, the, the greatest game that came out in 2020 that we played in 2020, I would say that Raj's the Ganges, the dice charmers might rise to the top for me, but again, it's from that surprise element the enjoyment element, the combo element, and the fact that we all really had a good time playing it, that that would probably be the closest that I got to a best of. And then to be fair, and this is really hard, but Dwellings is legit. It really is a good play. It, it What your brain has to do and how your body feels during the process, it's, it's challenging enough, but it's still fun. The narrative is great. 
as part of me just doesn't want to say it because I don't want Tim to be right about the whole situation. <laughs> we have all had to hear about it for quite a while, but Kevin really did help the situation in that way. So I don't know. Those are the, probably the two that rise to the top, but there's no definitive winner for me. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so what I just heard you say was that Dwellings of Eldervale was the number one game of 2020, as I predicted. So congratulations to me. <laughs> Way to spin it. I like it. All right. Um, Adam, what about you? What is your 2020, hot 2020 release? What's the what's the best game that you played this year that came out in 2020? It's getting a lot of press right now, but it's such a good game. Dune Imperium has been my favorite game of 2020. Just barely edging out Eclipse Second Dawn. We've played it a few times. It's been the more I play it, the more I want to play it, the more I see different strategies, the more it's just it just flows so nice and it's so tight and it's so I'm on the edge of my, the last time we played Tim a couple nights ago, I was just on the edge of my seat, trying to hang on, trying to hang on. It was every turn, every play was just so fun. So Dune Imperium is my game for 2020. Nice. I was wondering if this was going to make it, or I, I figured it was between this or Eclipse. I kind of had one of those two pegged for you. I wasn't sure which one you were going to call out, but uh, Dune Imperium is a fantastic game. Uh, Chris, what about you? What's your, and, and I'm going to talk about it in a little bit here. So we'll jump over to Chris here. Chris, what's the best game of 2020? It's got to be Eclipse. Nice. Yeah, I, <laughs> I feel like this is you know, like the big Oscar winner of the year. We keep talking about it and talking about it, but I mean, this game really does have it all. I mean, it's got the adventuring aspect. It's got the the engine building aspect. Um, the thing that I keep coming back to in this game that is really, I, I've talked about it as a good thing and a bad thing, depending on how you feel about combat and games. But the way the combat in this game comes through, it, my heart thumps every time I'm going into a fight in this game. And, and that, that is pretty damn cool, but it is more to it than just the fighting. Obviously there's a, there's a lot of stuff happening and it, it really is such a great combination of different gaming elements and mechanisms without overdoing it, without it making it feel like you've tacked a bunch of stuff on and, and add on to that, the components, which I've only heard the legend of at this point, I feel like if I actually sat down and played Adam's hard copy of this game that I would probably feel this like times 10. Uh, but yeah, we've played that a bunch of times. I've enjoyed every single game we played and it's one where almost any week if someone said, you know, let's put this one on the table, I, I'd be down for it. So that, that's got to take my top spot for the year. Nice. All right. Well, considering how much play we got out of it this year and how much fun we had, I'm, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that it got, got a little bit of recognition tonight. All right. Well, I'm going to give my big number one of 2020 and I kind of spoiled it a little bit here, but I have to go with Adam here. Dune Imperium. It doesn't do anything super unique when I play it. It feels very familiar. It feels like a lot of games that I've really loved in the past and it, and it fires them all. I literally, after playing Dune Imperium several times now, when I add it to my collection, I see four or five games that are just going to be sold out of my collection because I, I don't actually ever want to play any of them. It fires your your standard worker placement game. So aside from a few worker placement games that are, you know really feel unique, like Viticulture and like A Feast for Odin, there's really no other ones that I want to play over Dune Imperium. I just think it does so many things so well. Even, and this is really hard for me to say because probably my number two or three game in the past I would have said was Underwater Cities. This kind of does some of the same things that Underwater Cities does that I really loved. So I don't know, I'm going to have to give it some more plays and I'm going to have to, you know, see if I actually want to get Underwater Cities back out or I just want to keep playing more Dune Imperium. Uh, this game just hits all the right notes for me. 
It's so much fun. I want to play it right now. So far, I'm undefeated. So I'm going to keep that going. But it, it, it's a blast. It's an awesome game. I'll be picking it up very soon and uh, can't wait to get a lot more plays of that in the future. Right on, Adam. We, you and I uh, actually had a lot of had a lot of uh, crossovers tonight. So uh, surprising. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, awesome. So that was uh, that was fun to uh, hear your guys' thoughts on on the 2020 gaming. Uh, hopefully, 2020 is also a lot of fun, and we get to experience a lot of new things. So there's one last thing, one, one last question I want to ask you guys today. So, you know, when we started this podcast and we're brainstorming, we didn't do that much brainstorming, but I threw out a name for the podcast as an idea, a concept, and we call it Board Game Hot Takes. And my idea being that we're playing a game and we're immediately giving our thoughts on it. We're just going to throw them out there. That was the idea behind the name Board Game Hot Takes. But the reality is we're all pretty chill people, pretty relaxed, and we're not really throwing a lot of confrontational hot takes out all the time. But I wanted to have a little fun with it tonight as our 2020 wrap up. And I want to give you guys all a chance to give me one big board gaming hot take. What is one controversial take that you have to give related to board gaming to wrap up 2020? So Jen, let's start with you. What's your what's your big board game hot take of 2020? Hmm. I'm not prepared for this one. I think that the first thing that comes to mind that will probably be controversial in this group is that Tabletop Simulator and Tabletopia make my brain hurt and not like in the kind of like, oh, that was a challenge. And I just grew some neurons or synapses or whatever that was. It was like, oh, I'm in so much pain right now. Remember, you're having fun. So that would be the first hot take that I have for 2020. Uh, but hold on. Let me help you rephrase that because this is a hot take. So that what you actually want to say is, Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator suck. There you go. There's your hot take. Or garbage. <laughs> They're so garbage. It sounds, like, sounds like I have some people around. But I have to comment on the most surprising thing that happened in this recording is that no one, unless I might have tuned out, let's just hold me accountable if that happened, that no one said anything about one that we had a lot of spark about, and that was Whistle Mountain. Yeah. And so I am shocked for a group of people that enjoyed Whistle Mountain so much that it fell underneath. It, it was on zero of our category. So I think that just in this moment, I need to give a shout out to the fact that we really did have a good time playing that one. And yeah, it happened. So Whistle Mountain happened. That's one that I want Chris to play. And I want to get Chris's hate after it because that's what I expect from Whistle Mountain. I don't know, man. That sounds kind of cool to me. I, I, I thought it sounded pretty good. <laughs> you you guys talked it up. <laughs> it's it's pretty fun, but there is zero thematic tie-in. So we'll see if you can get past that. Sounds pretty thematic to me. I love Whistle Mountain, man. I think there is thematic tie-in. I just think it's really weird and quirky theme. Like, I don't think there's like a sensible theme to it, but I think there's a thematic tie-in there. So I don't know. I think Chris will dig that actually. I, I like it already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Jen, I, that was actually my, probably my runner up. Like if I, if I hadn't played Dune Imperium in the last couple of weeks, I think Whistle Mountain probably would have been my number one. And uh, yeah, I absolutely love that game. My, my couple plays of that so far have been a blast and I can't wait to play it some more. So thanks for calling that out. That's I'm glad that I'm glad that that got a mention today. All right, Adam, what's your big hot take? Uh, I caught him right in the middle of a yawn. What's your hot take for the board game hot take of 2020? My hot take. My hot take. I'm furious. Um, it's speculative. ISS Vanguard, the new big board game released by Awaken Realms, is going to be the biggest hot mess of administrative garbage that anybody <laughs> will ever see. Yes. I am 100% on <laughs> What what do you mean? What do you mean by this, Adam? 
So first of all, let me say that it's a it's an expansive, beautiful looking, epic space exploration game where I think you're kind of cooperatively, it's a co-op game. You're going out exploring these planets and you're basically in charge of a crew. So you have like all these crew members and there's a notebook you open and there's, you fold through pages of this notebook and you go to the box and there's millions of cards over here in the box. And there's just component after component after component and rule after rule after rule of just all this different stuff that you can do in this game. And if you want to go down that path and explore it, I think it's probably going to be a cool game for lots of people. I have found myself training towards more games like Dune Imperium or Trek in the, uh, Trek in the World, where you can play them in an hour to two to two and a half hours. And you get, you know, two, three, four people playing the game. You have this interaction and it's, you know, a little fight in a phone booth and then it's over. Again, the game looks beautiful, but I just... I just don't see myself wanting to do that kind of administration to play a board game. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. For me, that is, I, I think the the idea, the concept of it seems great. But even just my plays of Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion this year, which is a super light, you know, experience comparatively, so much upkeep, so much maintenance, so much just repetitive dragging on. Boo to games like ISS Vanguard. Yeah. So 100% of work. Look, hear, hear how angry we are about this. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what is your big hot take for 2020? Man, IPAs suck. Wait, sorry. This isn't, <laughs> this is, this isn't beer game hot takes. No, seriously. I, I got a bone to pick here. I got a couple of bones I need to pick here. So number one, I am sick to damn death of like, oh, I got a good game. Now it's that game in dice. Now it's that game in cards. I mean, come on. I, mean, I, I like a good expansion as much as the next guy. But I mean, you know, let's kind of keep the, you know, let's keep the marketing to a minimum. Okay. That, that's one. Number two, and this is the one that really gets me. I mean, it like really gets me at my core in my heart. Every time I go on Kickstarter and I see a game and it's like, it's got badass minis and it's got a huge board and it's got, you know, theme up the yin yang. And it's like, I'm like, Oh man, this is a game I so want to buy. It's a co-op. Oh, <laughs> ne- never mind. <laughs> so enough with the co-op games, co-op games suck. Let's keep the games real. It's about killing each other. It's not about being friends. <laughs> That's a, such a great hot take, Chris. And I want to jump on board with that. Let's fight. <laughs> Bam. Yes, 100%. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned the the dice and card versions of games, considering that there was just an announcement for what is essentially Terraforming Mars, the card game uh, that just came up right before we started this episode. And you know what? I bet you'll play it and you'll love it. But um, I hear you. It, it's uh... <laughs> All right. Well, I won't spoil your your hot take. I'll, uh, you know what, Chris? Yes, let's fight the dice and card versions of great big box games. I'm, I'm right there with you. All right. Well, I'm going to double down on both of your guys' last hot takes and go with backing Kickstarters is stupid. Backing a game on Kickstarter that has not been published before is a bad bet. It's a bad bet. Okay. So here's the deal. Right, you're gonna upfront put some money up for a game that doesn't have any actual reviews on it, probably doesn't have a rule book, probably hasn't actually been fully play tested at this point. Hope that you actually even get it and then hope it turns out okay. When there is hundreds, thousands of excellent 
superior board games that already exist that have reviews that you can hear what people think of them. You can see playthroughs. Why would you back a game that you don't even know if it's going to work? If it's a game that's already been pre-published and it's excellent, it's got great reviews and now it's out again and you want to get the next printing, heck yeah, back it. I'm all on board with that. But otherwise, if you are backing Kickstarters, you're probably throwing your money away. Few and far between where you're actually going to end up with a game that actually ends up being a great experience that you want to keep. That's from my own personal experience and from watching what you guys have experienced getting games. There's just already great games out there and great games being published every day like Dune Imperium that that already had reviews. You can go out and you could buy it today. You don't have to wait two years to get a copy of a game. Stop backing Kickstarter games. You know what? If it's a great game, it will be reprinted. It will be available in retail and you can back the next Kickstarter and get the one with the updated rule book and the fixed components and um, some additional updates to it. And you can buy it in your local game store with all the other chumps. No, you're right. Why Why innovate? Why support the little guy? Why, why, why take a chance? <laughs> you know, the, the sad thing is, Chris, that most of the Kickstarters that you back are not the little guy. Like, let's see what Kickstarters you got this year. Simon, Awaken Realms. <laughs> yeah, yes. I okay. Sure. If you want to support somebody's small idea and hope that you help them get it published, absolutely, hundred percent. Go back that. It'll probably suck, but go give it a shot. Otherwise, go buy a great game that's already out and available at your local retailer, and you can go pick up today and start playing today. So, Tim, <laughs> yes. As much as I want to fight somebody for having a, an opinion, a strong opinion, I have to agree with you. I've been disappointed by so many Kickstarters. And my Kickstarter buying habits have decreased significantly in 2020, which has been a success story. But there is a place, I think, few and far between, like you were saying, for a game that's, you know, that's great and getting a new edition and it's already proven itself and you want to get the next print. I think it's a good idea. Or for the little guy, like Chris is saying, if there is a little local guy like uh, Imperium, the contention yet to be seen if it's going to be good, but. I saw he's just from up the road in LA and the game looked cool to me. The art looked great. So I backed it. And that's kind of the things that I'm looking to back these days. If, if I back anything. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with you. I mean, it's, I think it's always a bad bet, but you know, still that's worth it. At least then you're helping something get started and you're, you're giving something a chance. Yeah. That's my, that's my take on it. I, out of all the games I've ever backed that were on previously unpublished, Two of them were big successes, but they also, of course, then ended up being reprinted, ended up having an additional Kickstarter. So you don't have to take that chance. And there's plenty of other good games to buy. That's my take. Chris is not shaking his head no, like I'm absolutely wrong about that. But (laughs) all right, guys. Well, thanks. Other than that, we got 2021 coming up. I'm excited for another year of podcasting with you guys and board gaming with you guys. And we obviously just talked about the games that we're most excited to play. We got a lot of those to go through on our list still. So I think we got a lot of fantastic gaming this year. And uh, the number one thing I'm excited about in 2020 is TimCon. When it is safe to travel again, I'm going to be making this a priority. I'm going to be forcing you guys all into a cabin in the woods for a weekend to uh, or wherever and probably not in the woods but we're all going to get together we're going to play some real games hardcore lots and lots of games and i'm super excited about it so what about you guys what's got you excited for 2021 in gaming um and then we'll wrap up uh adam what about you i want to say the people uh that are listening all 44 of you guys out there (laughs) if you're like me and looking to find looking to play board games more get out there 
check out meetup. If you're in a place that has a meetup, get on discord, go on Reddit, try to find some groups because good things come of it. You meet good people and you make good friends. At least, at least I did. It worked out well for me. So, you know, put yourself out there, take the risk and um, go play some games. It'll, it'll be worth it. That's great advice, Adam. Love it. Jen, what about you? Anything that's got you excited this coming? What, what do you, what are you looking forward to in 2021? In person gaming, in person, anything works for me at this point in time. Like in person, let's just wrap rolls of pennies together or like in person watching Bob Ross videos, like whatever happens as long as there's humans hanging out together. So yeah, inside. So. All right. Nice. Chris, what about you? Let's wrap this up. Yeah, no, in person is going to be great. And for me, it's going to be particularly great because in about three months or so, my family is going to be landing in our new home in Portland, Oregon. So, uh, and I actually already know a couple of gamers up there, including your brother. So, um, sort of like training in one dole off for another dole off, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, I, no, in all seriousness, I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to finding a new, uh, you know, a new community of people to play with live and, and still, you know, kind of playing with you guys on online and, and having fun uh, doing both, playing online and playing live. I think that's a, it's a great combo. I, I, I don't want to give this up, but I also want to start playing with uh, real people in the real world again. Right on. Well, cheers to 2021. Hopefully it gets better after the first uh, eight days or so were. Uh, I, think, I think we can only go up from here, right? So uh, let's, uh, let's all welcome 2021 and looking forward to more gaming in person and more gaming in general. Thanks guys. Well, I think that will wrap up this episode of board game hot takes and we'll also wrap up 2020 now that we've officially declared it. Tell us what you thought of our discussion today. We'd love to hear from you until next week. Take care, everybody. Bye 2020. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me.